Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a What A Night, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network, where we're here to talk about all things Tottenham Hotspur. And joining me, Sean Walsh, is Jude Summerfield. How are you doing, mate? It's a great time to talk about Tottenham Hotspur, don't you think? Oh, it is. Oh, there couldn't be a better time to talk about Tottenham Hotspur, quite frankly. It's, uh, you know, it's a strong Tottenham Hotspur at the moment, not a flimsy one. So, hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, we've got big cojones at the moment that we can start screaming about you know, screaming with our chest about how massive coys are. So, uh, so yeah, all good. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, I'm good. You mentioned it there. Like, I feel sometimes when the scene's kind of ongoing, I don't go as full-hearted with my opinions on the way things are because there's always the danger that the next game you're going to make be made to look stupid. And I shouldn't really think like that <laughs> because, you know, everyone in football fans media, managers, players, whatever, they, you're going to make it look stupid because you put you put your nuts on the line with some of this stuff and, you know, mm. it's going to come back to bite you eventually. But it did not come back to bite us this season, Jude. We ended on such a high. It was the almost best case scenario for us, really. And it's really, really refreshing because we don't usually get the best case scenario in these situations. There have been a lot of times in my life where we've been chasing Arsenal and we have not been able to beat Arsenal. But this was not one of those cases. This was the complete opposite. This was, this was, this was brilliant. This was so kind of enjoyable. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I I, I did some stats digging earlier, and the um the last from like March or something like that. I think Spurs have been in the best form out of any team. I think they've had a few extra games to play, but I think they picked up the most points in some sort of period of time. So it just shows that there's that steal um, coming back to Spurs, which we haven't had for a. Uh, a good few seasons now and uh yeah it's always it's always nice to pip a rival to an important an important spot which uh yeah. which you know fourth place is yeah you mentioned it there like it feels like we really have turned a corner since March and I think I was reading a piece on The Athletic earlier about um how kind of Conte's demeanour kind of changed remember when we lost to Middlesbrough in the FA Cup and it was like one of the first times where we'd lost a game but he hadn't really gone ballistic he was kind of changing his approach and I think the first game after that was we beat 
Everton 5-0, I believe that was the first game after. And from there, we've yes. just looked like a, a really ruthless winning machine. And there's been, I think the only blips along the way have been the Brentford and Brighton games. So mm. we've we've really turned on when we really needed to. I thought the season was done when, you know, you've seen that graphic a lot in the last few days. I think it was after like match day 27, 28, something like that, where Arsenal were way clear in, in fourth and had multiple games in hand, particularly on us. We were mired in like seventh or eighth and it just looked over. I really thought it was over. I remember writing an article after we lost to Wolves saying, because we lost to Southampton a couple of days earlier, like Spurs have unraveled their own season. But we managed to get our shit together, Jude. So I'm really happy. Yes, um, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. I think we should start, go a little bit back in time, which feels like a long, long time ago now, to the Burnley game, because we weren't here last week to review it. So mm-hmm. I th- what, what were your th- thoughts on the Burnley game? Because I was there. And I don't, I, it's pretty obvious. This was not a vintage Spurs game. This was just a game where, you know, everyone's looking at the calendar and thinking, all right, you know, even if they do Arsenal, that Burnley one is going to be the real kind of test of their character. Mm-hmm. And it kind, it kind of was, you know, because Spurs weren't at their best. Burnley came and they had a job to do and they did that job for the most part really well. I thought they were very resilient. I thought they managed to take the sting out of the game at times when they needed to. And then they were really undone by a, dodgy handball call which you know I've seen go against us so many times so I'm not losing my mind over it um, but you could really sense in the stadium even though we were never any, in any real danger I know Ashley Barnes at the post but I was like expected effort from about 25 yards mm-hmm. we were never in danger but you could feel it was so tangible and palpable the feeling of nerves around the stadium was that like your home? Yeah yeah it was it was very nervy wasn't it um I mean, to, to play that game on the Sunday at 12, like three days after such an emotional North London derby, um, which to be fair in that game, they didn't expend the most amount of energy that they, they have in other games this season. But even so, the quick turnaround was was a, was a bit of a dodgy one. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, they didn't create much out of nothing, but like... Neither did Spurs really. I think they they almost they dominated possession and had more shots, but you know Burnley still looked a threat here and there. And like you say, that barn shot was um, was more out of nothing. And he scored a screamer against Spurs before, I think maybe like six or seven years ago. I, so. I was thinking that it was the sec- it was the same day that Lamella scored his first Premier League goal. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it would, it, yeah, it would have made sense if that one had clattered in. Yeah, um, and the handball, the handball, I'm, I don't think I'm ever really going to think that's a penalty, but. You know, like you say, you know, you win some and you lose some and some decisions go your way. And in this age now where it, it goes upstairs and you can see an arms out, doesn't matter how much contact there is. And this was like, it was almost like the, the thinnest cricket edge through to the wicketkeeper. That's all that's all it was. If you got Snicker yeah. up, then there would have been the slightest little murmur and little else. <laughs> um, but yeah, in this age, you get those penalties and... Um, and yeah, we just have the right guy to to stick away the penalties, don't we? We've got Harry Kane on them, and you sort of never feel like that's going to um, that's going to be missed. So that was he, nice. did, he said he didn't hit it cleanly though. So and it did look like no, he, he scuffed it. It was right in the very corner. I I yeah. thought for a second it had gone wide. This is the thing. He always smashes them, which is what mm. gives um, which was gives the goalkeeper no no chance. But yeah, he didn't get it at all. <laughs> yeah, somehow it was a post and in job. So um. So yeah, I mean it's it's a fair while, a final fair while away. 
that that game, but it was another game where Downs and Sanchez played really well at the back, coming in for Romero, who obviously missed that game in the Norwich one. Um, and and yeah, if it wasn't for Nick Pope, we probably would have won by a fair few goals, and it might not have been such a sketchy end to the game, which is what it was because you know when they bring Valt Veghorst on, and um, <laughs> you know I, I keep on bringing him up as if he's some sort of you know welcome to world class striker. Which he's not. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He had that really he had a really fast start and he kind of really tailed off. And yeah, you know, he missed a big chance, which kind of helped seal Burnley's fate. So yeah, you know, it's just like a big shit house up front. You just naturally yeah. get scared of them, no gap, no matter he, how good they yeah. are. He is perfectly Burnley. So, you know, I hope he enjoys the championship. <laughs> um, but uh, so after that, you could you could feel the relief at full time that this was a massive hurdle. And I tried not to buy into the into the idea that Arsenal were going to slip up the next day against Newcastle, but I couldn't help but feel that, that the momentum had really shifted from that derby, that it was more than just a 3-0 win. It was a real kind of statement that Spurs really kind of have it all together now. And mm-hmm. it was now Arsenal's to lose and they were really kind of wobbling. And I'm going to be honest, I intentionally set out not to watch this match. I did not want to deal with it. Uh, me and you, Jude, we had an early flight on the Tuesday morning. So uh, I went to stay with a couple of friends in East London. I got there just as kickoff started and I turned my phone off for the next two hours. We watched reruns of Would I Lie to You? And that was it. <laughs> Did, promise myself I'm not turning the phone on because if I turn the phone on, then I'm going to be engrossed in it. If I'm engrossed in it, then I'm going to be scrolling on my Twitter and eventually I'm going to see a journalist tweet goal. Saka, Martinelli, whoever, yeah. and it's going to like deflate me. And I was like, I'm just going to do a proper kind of old school football manager thing. I'm going to sim to end. I'm going to, I'm not watching it. Whatever the result is, the result is, and I can't affect that. And there's no point in me trying to keep up with it. Mm. And I could not believe, I've never I've known myself to be so happy about a, a result that didn't happen from a game involving Tottenham. Because I just yeah. opened up, to put turn my phone back on, straight onto FOTMOB. <laughs> Didn't look at any of my messages. Made sure not to look at the messages. Straight on the FOTMOB. Newcastle 2, Arsenal 0. And I just kind of was like, it felt like a dream. It felt like one of the, I remember having dreams like years ago and years gone by against Arsenal when we were at school, like dreaming that we'd won on the last day and they'd lost or something. I remember really vividly it happened in the 12-13 season, you know, when uh, the 1-1 at Newcastle thing. Ironically, Newcastle mm-hmm. involved again here and actually helped us. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Felt really, really, really great after that. How did how did you cover the match? How did you view the match? Well, yeah, I, I, assume, yeah. You, I assume you didn't. Phone, I'm assuming you didn't turn your phone off like I did. I didn't. I couldn't, unfortunately, mate. Because um, while we were off to Barcelona the next day, I was on the late shift that Monday night, so I had to. Oh yes, you were. Yeah, yeah. So I had to check into the Premier Inn at Stansted, um, with its dodgy Wi-Fi and all. Had to pay for some better Wi-Fi, unfortunately, so I could actually do my do my job <laughs> um, <laughs> because I wouldn't have been able to because I had to do I had to do player ratings for the game uh, that that evening um, and to be honest like I mean I would have rather have watched Bob Mortimer chatting about his teeth for an hour than watch that game because I was a bit of a nervous wreck um, but yeah to, to, to be honest I, I I wasn't getting too drawn into the whole momentum thing either because I wanted to see how Arsenal would, would bounce back in that in that game and whether they really did have the uh, the balls to them if if if, if you know if that works. Um, 
and they just they just totally didn't um because because Newcastle were were brilliant on the night and Arsenal were missing a few players in defense and just couldn't get going whatsoever um so so yeah it was it was an excellent an excellent excellent result for Spurs obviously and um I just loved that the first goal was an own goal from from Ben White, not not specifically it coming from Ben White, just that you know you got a vendetta against Ben White, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but just like the the first dagger to the heart of their Champions League dream was self inflicted. You know, <laughs> that's mm, what very, that's what I liked about very it. easy narrative. Yeah, exactly. And very easy narrative to push, but but yeah, they just didn't have any. Uh, Arsenal didn't have any midfielders who were getting close to Guimaraes and Joe Ellington. Um, they didn't really fancy it. You know, you saw Granite Xhaka come out afterwards and say, like, if you don't fancy the, the fight, then then don't come and don't come and play. Which, you know, is always quite jokes when that's that's the player that's trying to, you know, rally, <laughs> rally and try to do something better. I've heard he's been better this season, and I think, you know, sure, but you know, it's still it's still a bit arsenal, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, it's, um, like, it's like a cool. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was doing the play rings at, at Stansted. When the first goal went in, I went let out a little fist pump because the the other guys I was staying with were still at their dinner table finishing off food. <laughs> it was just me on the table. Um, I got I got a, a message on Slack being like, "Dude, how are you doing? We can't hear you across the dinner." <laughs> In a table, <laughs> I should have really been screaming like "fucking come on!" Amazing. Um, but I just God knows I would have been kept it professional, of course. So you know, there's no room for that. Yeah, two <laughs> there two seconds of fist bumping, and then um, when the second goal went in, that was sort of like the the moment where I was like, "Okay, this is like this is in our hands now." Um, and I, I I I know the week building up to a final game on a Sunday can be a long one thankfully we were occupied for most of it we didn't even really talk about it that much in, in Barca did we we didn't we no, were we didn't. ourselves there which was good I think on the, the Friday was quite bad just because it was a whole day of traveling and I couldn't stop thinking about it whilst being yeah. really really tired and just wanting to, go to sleep. <laughs> it was like it was that that was keeping me from falling asleep on the plane which was a bit annoying to be honest yeah um but then yeah Saturday came Sunday came and um, it was all, it was all, it was all grand. It was, uh, yeah. The, the the general feeling going into Norwich is, you know, we try to. I've, I'm trying to get away from this. Oh, you're not Spurs unless sort of mindset because like mm. I've got the energy for it. I think it's I think it's bollocks having seen Spurs over the last few months and how good they've been um, to be like, oh, they might go to Norwich and lose. Which you know could have happened, but at the same time, it's one of the worst Premier League teams I've ever seen. So, you most, know. one of the most useless for sure. So, so useless. They cannot hold a defensive line. The amount, they always ha- like have these stupid defensive errors, like unbelievable. They find a new way to do it every game. But to your point, um, you you're really gonna like this. Um, I was not as confident as you. In fact, just to just quickly fill in, uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, Jude and I were in Barcelona for a 90-minute editorial summit this week. So that's why we couldn't do pod only in the week. We had a really nice time out there. And you mentioned it, Jude. We didn't talk about this game. I didn't want to because I was embarrassingly terrified that something bad would happen, that 
there'd be like a second minute Norwich running behind Darren Sanchez goes in flying he gets a red card Spurs has to play the game with 10 men mm. Norwich somehow find a way to do it you remember when we when we lost to Bournemouth with nine men in 1819 that yeah. was what was going on in my head and I know this Norwich <laughs> team are way 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 worse than that Bournemouth team but I'm not, I'm not saying it's because of the past that I was like this I was just so kind of afraid of the fall because if we had, if we had lost then it would have been pretty seismic so mm-hmm. I was afraid of that but Managed to get through it. Managed to get through the week. And so each he, each night when I asked you if you're all right, when we were four or five pints deep and you said, yeah, I'm fine, mate, you were just lying to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all that was going through your fine. head. It's fine. We're not actually fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surely you're, like you're, you're all right. Yeah, yeah fine, mate. It's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was what was going on in my head. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so thank, thankfully I can look back on this week as one of my favourite weeks of my recent life because that was really good. Um, neither of us could actually watch this match, Jude, because we were busy being football men at other football games. I was at Brentford Leeds to watch Leeds come up with a great escape. I have no idea where that performance came from. I did mm. not see that in them. And you were at Brighton to watch the Seagulls and West Ham's Europa League hopes. Yeah, so yeah, it was um it was a pretty good day, all thing all things told. Um, yeah, Brian are a good little team, and I enjoy enjoy following them. And you know, how did just how did you cover the match? Because you mentioned you might stream it going into it. Did you actually I, stream? I yeah, I've got a, I've got a black, <laughs> I've got I've got a black market um app on my phone which gives me loads of streams that I can watch. Um, He's right here, officers. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's totally legal, obviously. Um, so, I mean, the Wi-Fi wasn't great at the stadium, so it was sort of buzzing in and out, and I was trying to keep as much of an eye on the Brighton-West Ham game. Thankfully, it was the first half was pretty terrible, so, you know, I was sort of able to just, like, you know, for a few yeah, minutes like here and there, watch watch the Spurs game. Um, but, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it was quite tricky keeping track of both of them, and thankfully, um, of all the games... On Sunday, I think only Leicester Southampton had little else riding on it. Um, yeah, so Brighton West Ham was quite of a you know, Brighton, Brighton got their best ever Premier League position, and West Ham got Conference League, but there wasn't any, uh, there were no, we weren't sending any PNs out regarding the uh, <laughs> the uh, the final result of the match. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was good, and thankfully, we did manage to. To get it all sorted, which is good. Yeah, we got it over the line. I was I was just trying to keep updates on uh, a Twitter feed next to uh, the stuff that I was writing, but the Wi-Fi was strangely terrible at Brentford, which hasn't hasn't really been this season. It's been fine usually, but yeah, I think I think I stopped kind of intensely following at three nil, which I believe was was that did Song get the last two and Kuzevsky got third. Is that right? Kulisevsky got the third, yeah. He, uh, that yeah. was one where so he was after, cut it was off yeah. the right and cut yeah. it into the top. So it, was, so it was after Kulisevsky did a bit of his Iron Robin impression there. Oh, such but, a good goal. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah, what, so, because... yeah. So yeah, watching the highlights back, uh, just it's like we talked about, it, it just seemed that Norwich kind of self-destructed and we've talked about a lot of this pod this season. If you give us a chance which could lead to a bigger chance to score. Like you just give, you just give us mm-hmm. a bit of space, an opportunity for our guys to run at you, then we will kill you. And that is basically what happened in the first half. Yeah, I think um I think the very first chance that or the first big chance the Spurs had was 
uh, was Hoybier getting on the end of a Kulisevsky yeah. yeah. run and pass, wasn't it? And to be honest, the, the amount, you know, the ease in which Spurs got in behind for that move, that sort of settled me down a fair bit because it's like, oh, well, they're not going to now shut up shop and stop Spurs from creating chances, are they? They're not defensively good enough for that. Like, um, I think Sam Byram got booked quite early. He went off afterwards anyway for, for a yeah. team, but it was yeah. like, you know, their centre-backs on a yellow, you know, they have to be a bit more careful. Um, it is and, literally Sam Byram there, so. Yes, as well. And their midfielders just can't can't hold a, a light to ours. So, um, so yeah. That's what I mean, as, they can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just slagging off Norwich for no reason. Um, but yeah, as, as soon as we got that big chance, then obviously they decided to just not track a midfield runner in Bentancourt. And then we got the opener. I know you said you switched off. After I can't believe I can't believe really, I can't believe really squared it. Yeah, well, I can. You, you've seen his shooting, right? He's a fucking awful. Well, sure. Okay, yeah, got, good point. He, he, he would really thought he would be the hero in that burning. <laughs> I, I remember that actually. Yeah, good point. Just carry yeah, on. That, he cannot shoot for Toffee, mate. But but you know he got two assists in the game, and that was definitely the right move. Just stick it on a plate for Dayan to just uh, to just stick it away, and that was that, that was no, a I nice think, it's quite it's quite similar. It's quite similar to. Um, Kuzevsky when he got the opener at City as well I, I couldn't believe Son mm. squared it at that point either so yeah but just took the keeper out of the game just an easy mm. tap in um, yeah. oh we better start calling Kula a tapping merchant then if he's done that before <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was like I don't know can, can, can you did he score in the Everton game um, oh, I'm not sure well, he's, he's got five in total now because I think I feel like league. all of his goals have come away so he got two at Norwich one at Villa, one at City, one at City, and one at Leeds. I don't, one at Leeds. Um, Do you score yeah, at Leeds? Leeds? I don't yeah, think. He, but, yeah, I don't think. He, yeah, I don't think he scored at home. Because I've been going to every match, dying to hear the chart get going when he scored. Yeah, it hasn't happened. Yeah, he loves yeah. it away from home. Um, but yeah, he was brilliant again. That was a really nice opening goal. And then the second goal, which was what, like just after the half hour. Um, Tim Krul finally repaying us after know, 2013. Right? 13-14, Tim Krul. <laughs> My God, that 1-0 loss to Newcastle just sticks in everyone's mind. That was quite fun. Actually, you know, Tim Krul starting was quite quite jokes for us, wasn't it? Because it was like, oh, fucking hell. Oh, for fucking hell, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This yeah, guy's yeah, like, 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 need oh, to win. He's going to do it Krul's again. Play. Yeah, <laughs> you dirty little bastard. You've done it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he sure showed his age and, you know, de- declining quality somewhat with that attempted pass out. Which really, really instinctive pass from Bentico as well. Oh yeah, it's lovely. I was, I was just, surprised how accurate it was. Yeah, lovely little clip and all, all you know, all Kane had to do was just stoop and head it in, and um, it was it was pretty much plain sailing from that point on. There was no, there wasn't really any jeopardy, regardless of what Arsenal were doing. Mm. Obviously, Arsenal went and smashed Everton, but we didn't need to to worry about the game anymore. Um, and yeah, they just sort of coasted until the second half when when they started uh, chasing Sonny's golden food, didn't they? Which was... A, yeah, he was a started with that Kuliszewski chance, didn't it? You know, he, he's oh, so yeah. strong. He's so kind of like... I don't know. I'm trying to think of a player that's really like Kuliszewski in the way that he has this kind of mix of strength. He has kind of deceptive pace, not like searing pace, but enough to kind of beat a man. That's yeah, like, using it, strength it, to like beat a man is quite an odd one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, for that goal, strange, he literally just shrugged the, the fella off. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying. I know there's someone that I'm thinking of. I can't think of who, 
who the profile is if someone actually does have a better idea than me then please do tell me because it's really <laughs> racking my brain every time that i watch this guy but yeah so he route he takes the ball he rounds crawl has a lot of time to get a shot off gets kind of caught in two minds do i just put it in the empty net or do i square to son and in the end it's kind of a tap with his right foot and son's already now being marked he gets cleared off the line and he kind of gets taunted by the norwich fans for it yeah, so that kind of reminded me of that. Um, when I your twentieth and you two 0 down, <laughs> kind of remember, reminded me of that. You know, when Spurs went to Stoke 15-16, it was like a Monday night, and they won four. Oh yes, like very good reference. I enjoy and, this. And, and Delhi was like clear for on goal, and he just smacks the post. <laughs> From yeah. two yards out, it's like all you have to yeah. do is just trickle it <laughs> in, mate. He just yeah. spat the post, and then here Dayan was like it caught between two minds between what he wanted to do. Um, yeah. And he could have just smacked it in. But, and uh, similarly, both scored really good goals after. Yes. Yes, they did. They did. Oh, man. It was like postage stamp, that that third goal. Kulisevsky's second. It was... Um, they, Spurs were just getting in down that right just so frequently. Whoever was um, playing left back for Norwich was just having an absolute mare trying to pick up. Um, well, Emerson didn't really get that far forward from what I saw. But Kulisevsky was just so... What are the comp makers yeah. going to do now? I know, I know. He, he, yeah, did, he did drop a season review one before we started this, actually. It was about 55 oh, seconds really? long. It, it's, it's actually largely based on, you know, the header, which was saved by Ramsdale. Yeah. <laughs> it's, lar- it's largely based on that and the fans are <laughs> reacting to it. <laughs> it's it's, it's like six, seven angles of that one chance that did yeah, go yeah. in. <laughs> oh, okay. He scored a goal this season, right? So he scored against Newcastle. So why isn't that in there? Remember that one? That, yeah. I, where he just I was there for, I was there for that, yeah. I think yeah. all the Oh What A Night boys were there for that one, which is... Was that um, the one that we were all there for? I think so, yeah. We were, def- we were definitely all there for one, and I can't remember which one. Yeah, we didn't get to chat about it, but yeah, we all were definitely there. Um, but yeah, that was a nice guy. Yeah, we had, after we missed a couple of really good chances, Son finally takes the lead in the Golden Boot race. Firstly, one which the camera isn't really paying attention to, when he first gets it, <laughs> where Lucas Lucas has come on at this point, and he kind of slips him through, and it's really kind of simple finish under crawl, and then vintage Son Heung Min, where just just doesn't really think there's any danger, just quickly one shift onto the right, let's fly, and it's almost like you can't really believe that he's generated that much power with such little kind of visible force behind it. You know. He, I think the one that was similar to it, remember we scored away at Middlesbrough at the start of the 16-17 season? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. It's almost identical to that one, I think. Yeah, absolute beauty, mate. Um, mm. and it, it was sort of getting to that point where it was like, get the ball to Son. Just get the ball to Son and see if he can stick in a few. Um, <laughs> and yeah, when I, was, when I was looking at the highlights after the game, that fourth goal, it was like, Oh, and Son's throwing any score. <laughs> there's, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. there's no like build yeah, up or like, anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just like, what? Did <laughs> they just cut it weirdly? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it was strange. It was really, really strange. There's like some amateur video going on there. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a nice goal. And it, it came like two seconds after Lucas came on for, for Kulu, didn't it? And he grabbed a nice little. Yeah. I'm really not sure how deliberate that flick was, because like it's I, I guess it is because it's the sort of thing that Lucas tries every game and then he'll, t- just... he'll tell you he meant it. Yeah, sure. he will. But it usually doesn't come off. But in this instance, it did come off, which is which is excellent. Um, and yeah, just a nice cold finish. And when Son gets into those sort of positions, you think you do think goal now. 
because he's just so cold. He's so precise with his finish. Love the lovely way he just like opens up his body and just plays it into that corner. Um, yeah, that took him up to 22, didn't it? It did. 22 goals. Awesome, awesome strike. And then I think, I don't remember what point of the match was, but someone did find a video where um, Son does find out that Salah has scored and that he needs to, if he's only scored one at this point, then he knows he needs to get another. And if he's already scored two, then it's done. He's going to win it anyway, but he's going to have to share it. But, you know, you know me, Jude, you know I'm a big I'm banging the drum of the non-pen goals. To get 23 without one of them being a pen, without having one just kind of laid on the plate for him like that, that's as properly, properly insane. I mean, for someone who doesn't play as a central striker, I know a lot of people are going to say, like, you know, the wide forwards are basically like the strikers these days, but it's, it's still not the same thing. Son isn't the guy that's holding the ball up. He's not the guy that's providing more of an aerial threat, you know. Mm. He's just, you just, you especially when you look at when we started the season, I think, I believe he had four goals by the time Conte arrived and 19 after. I believe that was the ratio to it. So, yeah. He was the. I think. Do you remember the Aston Villa game uh, after the Northland derby? And it really felt like, okay, this is. He's really starting to be the guy that's going to drag us through the mud again. And so it's nice that this season, for at least at least since, like we said, March, we've had a really good cast around our two world class forwards. And this is this is what can happen. You know, Kane's won three gone boots. That's the second most in Premier League history. For him to be in the side with someone who can also win a golden boot. We just the attacking potential we have. This is this is what Spurs have been about. It's not about the Nuno not knowing how to play. It's not about the Mourinho um just being defensive and having this kind of small mindset every game. This is it. This is the attacking football, the beautiful football, the not even not even like you know like Barcelona tiki tack. I mean like entertaining me. I go into these games, I expect us to wallop these teams now. Mm. Yeah, well, um, it's the good thing is it's it's now just about being solid in central areas at the back and in midfield, and then just letting that front three do their thing. I mean, some for him to win the golden boot is just it's just an incredible effort. Um, yeah, twenty three goals, no no penalty goals, like you said, and he's getting better year on year, which is which is odd for somebody who's like going to be. I think he's going to be thirty in the summer, but he just keeps on. Last mm. year we got, I think he got like seventeen league goals. This term it's twenty three, um, and his 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 link up play with Kane is obviously still brilliant. And he's got another he's got another power in Kulusevski now who can who can free up space for him. This is what's been great. He's, o- he's only twenty two. He was only twenty two. Yeah, um, and a very early twenty two as well. He's not going to be twenty three for a while. Um, mm. So but so much experience at the same time. Yeah, and he's like I think a few people when we asked about what sort of player Kulisevsky is when we got him in January, um, we got told he was like quite, was that? I'll keep going. <laughs> we got told he was quite a, quite a confidence player. And, um, and I think just like that, that goal he got at City just straight away, just sort of, just sort of showed him that, right, I can, I can smash it at this level. And uh, he's, he's, he's continued to, to contribute more assist, I think five five goals and eight assists since January is just it's that extra dose of attacking quality that Tottenham needed in that front three because before they you know they'd have Lucas playing 
Um, and he could score like a wonder goal every 50 or 20 games, but not really contribute mm. much else. Um, and then Stevie Bergwijn obviously just never really gets around the team and just comes up with little moments of magic here and there. But um, that, yeah, that front three, it's all about just keeping it solid, which which I think Spurs have done with uh, within those central and defensive areas and just letting that front three just connect with each other and, getting good balls into the box. You saw like Kane getting out wide and just firing brilliant crosses into, into some, mm. I don't know how he didn't score that first. Roy Hodgson saw the vision. <laughs> yeah. But what's so good about that from Kane is that he's barely has a look up. He's just like, right, I'm sticking it into an area. Execution. It's, like, it's very, it's, it's very Ericsson-esque. These the way yeah. they started doing this now. Yeah. He just, he just sticks it into that area. That's like just that corridor of uncertainty. And sometimes, somehow, Sonny doesn't score. I really don't know how he doesn't, but mm. it, was, it was a great save. Um, but yeah, for Sonny to win the the uh, the golden boot is, is just a miraculous, miraculous effort. And it's so good that he just loves Spurs so much. And that he's, you know, I keep seeing people trying to, you know, push a certain narrative. And I think we can both <laughs> agree, Sean, that we are not going to do that on this podcast. No, no, no we're not. absolutely not. No. I do want to just quickly touch back on Kurzewski. This is quite an interesting debate I had with some of my friends yesterday. Do you think he was more important, the, mo- the more important signing in January, or do you think Bentoncourt? Because the argument was Kluzevsky's come in, he's put up these great numbers, he's a really amazing player. But the drop off to him is Lucas Mora, who, okay, he's obviously not as good, but he would at least provide something. Mm-hmm. And then beyond there, you'd have Bergwijn, who, like you said, has come up with some important moments for us. Whereas with Bentoncourt, the drop off to him is Winks. And it feels like every time that we started Winks since Conte's got here, it's been like, we're playing with one less man and I don't mean that <laughs> I don't mean that on a personal level because I really like what Harry Winks has done for us obviously but he's just not the same player anymore and you can see that Conte's only real willingness to use him down the stretch was when Bentico just needed a breather for about 10 minutes yeah I think I think from a more practical level I, I probably would I would say Ben Tanker over Kulisevsky maybe just because if you didn't have Ben Tanker going in there then you don't have that same level of control for the attacking players to go and do their thing. Um, I know, you know, that's from a practical level. I know who out of the two has my heart more. <laughs> I know that it's a, a ginger Swedish fella. Um, but yeah, like you say, the drop-off from Ben Tanker to Winks, it's just that there's no control or there was no control when Winks was playing. Yeah. And um, yeah. if you're going to, you know, if you're, if you're playing from side to side and, um, you're you're sort of preying on an opponent, giving you some space um, to do some damage at a certain point. Then I don't think Winks really has that has that sort of facet to his game to make the difference in central midfield areas to start for Spurs uh, even like we yeah. And he's and he's definitely as the weeks have gone on, he's definitely started to build more of a relationship with Hoiberg as well. Like this feels like more of a yeah. natural fit for him in midfield. I've been impressed with Hoiberg down the stretch for sure. Hoiberg's been great in the last month or so. Um, the way he just recovers the ball, I think they work in tandem really, really well. Which is what's yeah. going to make, um, yeah. which is what's going to make Ollie Skip coming back from from injury. Oh, quite I can't wait! An interesting little subplot. Um, so yeah, that that'll be fun. I do hope they they go out and get somebody a bit more creative for that central central midfielder area because I think when, for example, that Burnley game, when teams do sit in. I don't think Hoybier and Bentancur quite have that creative spark to 
to um to pick a killer pass. I know it sort of comes from um from Caden Song. You look to those players to create anyway, but sometimes you need the player to play that first pass so that they can they can get in and they can do the mm. damage. So we'll we'll yeah. see. But yeah, Ben Ben Tanker, I love his little turns as well. I think he's he's grown in confidence. They still, they, down they the still scare me from time to time. <laughs> I remember, was it against West Ham when we were winning 2-1 and he's in a real pickle at the back and he just got a grief turn out of it and I was kind yeah. of like I know everyone was kind of like losing their minds on it. I was kind of, I was kind of like my god that was so close <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was the complete opposite I was like don't do that again please yeah was that his first game I think it was right no no no, 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 no. I, mean, I know the was it what the West Ham game I thought we played them in like the League Cup or something like that and he might no played. no no I meant, no, I meant the League game Oh, in the league game, what we won March. like three one. Oh yeah, but that yeah, was a, yeah. that was a stressful game anyway, wasn't it? For some reason we should have battered yeah. them, and yet only won. Well, we won three one in the end, but only for a goal yeah. at the very end. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, Ben Tanker, brilliant. I go yeah. with him. You got, yeah, you got any more post Norwich thoughts? Because just just quickly, we are going to do a proper season review, hopefully with more of the guys here, either later this week or next week. But you got any more post Norwich thoughts? I, I I don't think so. I mean, I like that Spurs are smashing teams now rather than, you know, at the start yeah. of the season when they were one or two. Well, I mean, the first two games were one nil as weren't they? But um, yeah, I do like that they can open up teams almost at will. I know Norwich had very little to play for and are pretty terrible, but it was it was good that they were running riot and that um, we could... Still going to do it. Yeah, and that we they, could, you could tell they wanted they wanted the season to end so badly. They really did. They really did. They were like me on Monday night, just seemed to end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. But apart from you that, you and I are not so different, Norwich City. Yeah. Apart from that, no, not many thoughts. All right. All right. Cool. I guess we got we have some listener questions, so we can move on to those before we do a little bit of a debate. Um, so, from Richard Craggs, how does it feel for the name of the podcast to make sense again? Because I, I personally thought, Jude, I thought that we'd cursed it. Because we started this, <laughs> what, uh, late winter, early spring 2020? It was one of the last, it was like the last month or so when we were in our 90-minute London office in Liverpool Street, which we sadly now no longer own. You know, rest in peace. But I, I, did, yeah. I did feel like it was, it was a, that was a cursed time as well. That was, Kane had already been injured. Oh, Son was about to get his injury as well. It looked like we were going to have a dark, dark end to the season where, because Mourinho had, didn't know how to play without those two players that we, yeah. we were just going to slide down the table it was very very depressing Mourinho times wasn't it and I was like can't yeah. really see a future with this I know we sort of got a little better and then got a whole lot worse later on um, but yeah I'd say it feels very very good that was the only thing that sort of uh, gave me a little bit of doubt heading into the weekend it was like oh well, it's not going to make any sense if they don't win on Saturday. Sunday <laughs> even. And then that's going to... Yeah, yeah, they're going to come for us, Jude. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's it's very nice that that song is going to make sense again. And I've heard it a few times, um, you know, yeah. on Twitter. And I listened to Brawl the Roost earlier. They stuck a little version of it at the very start, oh, which yeah. I thought was quite jokes. Yeah. Um, well, you know, they get they get the copyright claim from us and Frankie. Yes. In the four seasons. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I refrain from sending from sending Jack a a DM. I just thought maybe we could get the solicitors involved first, and then that's that's fine, mate. I'll do it. I'll let him know. Yeah. <laughs> Pay a response. Yeah, I thought it was bullshit to be honest, but you know, I avoid <laughs> I avoid confrontations, like you know, Sean. 
you know, from yeah, the you know, psychoanalysis yeah. that we had in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, under strength, you've put pacifist. Mm. <laughs> that's all, that's all. So real. Right, whatever, mate. <laughs> okay. Uh, Philip Jones asks, will you bring back the theme music now? Now, I don't actually know. I'm not in the editing process, so I don't actually know. Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to send our, our editor the uh, the little clip again. Um, but it should come back. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed it. Need, yeah. th- need some theme songs, you know. It does, yeah. Uh, it yeah. yeah. Uh, our third and final question comes from, I uh, wrote this down properly because I didn't know how to say it. It's at I-M-K-V-N-W-N-G, but his name, like the, not his handle, but the name of his thing is Hmm. Ah. So, hmm. Hello. Hmm. Yeah. Hello. Hmm. Uh, he asks, where did Arsenal get battered? Um... Uh, say the line, Bart. <laughs> uh, everywhere they bloody go, Jude. Everywhere that's where they get they battered. Go. Everywhere they go. Yeah. Do you know what? They're oh. going to be battered on Thursday nights next season as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will tell you something quite funny, actually. Um, mm-hmm. So before Tottenham Everton a few months ago, which is, I, I went to cover that one at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which mm-hmm. is sort of March, I want to think, I want to say. Um, yeah. I, just, I yeah. just put, you know, the classic football journal picture of the stadium looking really really lovely it was Boston sunshine that evening so I was like yeah I'm gonna get that um and then one one kid I went to school with um just posted a little message just underneath saying I just said like ah oh, this is how you know this is how you know football should be played on a Monday night and he just replied he's an Arsenal fan he just replied what seventh which <laughs> <laughs> in in hindsight what? now you know i won't <laughs> i won't fire at someone unless i have reasonable ammunition like that i don't like just you know we can slag off arsenal as much you know here as we want to because it's funny um but like if my mate's an arsenal fan well we tend to just have like quite level-headed discussions about it but you know i put out a tweet yesterday just being like oh i can't believe spurs have qualified for champions league etc etc um, and then, yeah, he he replied to one of the messages in that thread, thread saying, don't worry, boys, you will be in Europa by January. And I have been sitting on this screenshot of what seventh for fucking months now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like that, you know, that meme of the guy trying to hold in a fart. In uh, in class, where he's all sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was essentially that. So I just gave him a little bit of the. Uh, uh, I was wondering when the smart boy was going to pipe up. I was very very happy <laughs> and just attached that picture of what seventh. So you know, to that to that point, you know, that's a little that's a little story about Arsenal club and fans getting battered in many different ways, which is great fun for all. I'm sure. Yeah. And we should and we should mention. I hate the term "bottled" in football because I think it's very kind of just nonsense. Far away, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I do think Arsenal bossed it, and everyone's going to say, and every, everyone's going to say, "Oh, you know, before the start of the season, we weren't expected to get top four. No one really saw that coming for us." And it's just like Arsenal has been here for two years. You come eighth back to back. What are you really expecting if you're really moving forward and you're happy mm. with them at the helm? And they got into this position where if they'd won at Tottenham. They would have, they would have had it. That would have, that's, that was it. Obviously, obviously, this is much easier said than done. But the remit was there. You win one game, one game, 
Yeah. You're into the Champions League. That's it. Mm-hmm. They threw it away. They completely self-combusted at Spurs. It sounds like they're self-combusted at Newcastle. They just didn't turn up. It's that is a failure. That yeah. is a failure. To get to get into the position to achieve those kind of goals and just that's the way you react to it after the season that you've that you've had with all this supposed progress, with all this kind of maturing and and they go on about the youngest team. I'm glad that someone picked out. Um, I think it was another article from the Athletic where they did look, ranked all the youngest teams, and I've, and we're there twice above them, youngest yeah. teams. I mean, Two they, younger they teams. have young players, which but both, they've also which got both, both featured well. in the top four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they've got Shaka, yeah, Shaka the El Nenny. Yeah, you know when Lacazette plays, these aren't yeah these aren't up and coming pros. They're like approaching thirty or gone beyond thirty. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is I'd say. The um, I'd say them losing at Spurs was less of a bottle, but more of a heads gone moment. Yes, because I, I agree. Rob I Holding, agree. you know, if if there is, if you if if a little thirty second montage could be stuck into the dictionary under heads gone, it would be Rob <laughs> Holding getting sent off. Um, and then, but then to be fair, I'd say. I don't even know if the Newcastle game was bottling either. I just think they weren't. I just thought they were terrible just watching it. Um, so it's a little bit different. But, you know, having a six-point advantage going into, the, what, the, the last sort of month or so. I know... I know the, fan, Arsenal, the fans were making the comps of them in the Champions League intro. They, well. Yeah, they were. And to be but, fair, I don't know what their goals were at the start of the season. So maybe it's unfair to continue shifting the goalposts as to, you know where they should finish but I think you have six points you should be finishing in the top four but they had tough games and they got beaten and that's why they came fifth yeah. and Spurs came yeah. fourth because Spurs showed and, that they had the steel yeah. about them to go on a big run like Arsenal sort of went on that big run but I think we said it before that maybe they peaked a little too early um, mm. and they were grinding out wins here and there but they yeah they just yeah. peaked a little too early and couldn't they did, I don't think they had enough yeah. left by the end of the season you know yeah and just quick players so, yeah. Hmm. Just quickly touching back on the squad point. It's like, who do you think is in charge of that? That's Arteta. Arteta has an insane amount of control yep. for how little he's actually done. Like, I know he won the FA Cup. Okay, whatever. Didn't actually, it's never translated to league success. Yeah. Well, he's that player back to back. Then. Can do it. So, yeah, can do it. You know, he, he can wants. build the squad he wants. So, and there's they, no excuses and there to be had there. It came, it came back to bite them, you know, because in the week leading up to the, the derby in January, they let two players go on loan, which, if they had, would, would have made them eligible to fulfil the fixture. Mm-hmm. And they cut, they trimmed this squad. They had, they actually had the chance to sign Kuluzewski at the start of January. I remember that. Mm-hmm. They were offered him. They were like, no, we're going to pursue other targets. Didn't get anyone else in because Vlahovic rejected them. Artur Melo, that, that fell through as well, though I'm not sure actually what much he would have done for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, this, but this is on them. It's like we, we went and we were proactive about it. And I think this is probably the biggest credits to the board ever that they were actually able to bring in a couple of players that were useful and they managed to shift the deadwood that Conte didn't want mm-hmm. and we were just be- better down the stretch and I think yeah. the, t- the, ta- the, ta- look, the table can lie sometimes if we had somehow not come fourth I would I would be massive I'd be banging the drum it would sound better but I'd be banging the drum that the table lies because <laughs> I believe that Tottenham are the fourth best team in England and not Arsenal because I believe that firmly were better than Arsenal the table doesn't account for these kind of factors where you know, under Conte, we are much better than we were under Nuno. And the table has to kind of reflect that, unfortunately. So, yeah. we're the better team. We deserve to be fourth. We deserve to be back in the Champions League. We are a Champions yeah. League quality team. Yeah. We should we should thank Nuno for those three wins at the start of the season, though, to be fair. 
<laughs> really important looking and, back and for getting out of there as soon as possible you know yeah like, yeah you know, if you're gonna get beat and get beat like three nil every game so the stadium yeah. turns and there is no other option but to yeah. get really yeah <laughs> so yeah, yeah we got out there pretty God. quickly yeah so moving on to this is probably the final thing we do today uh i put i posed a question on twitter a few hours before we start recording this I didn't expect it to kind of blow up into a massive Spurs Twitter-wide debate. So I asked, at which point do you think Tottenham were better set up to tangibly succeed? Coming off 86 points under Pochettino from the 16-17 through to the 17-18 season, or right now under Conte going into next year? And I actually don't know what my answer is. I don't... I, I see the arguments for both. But for the sake of this, because you have a a strong feeling that it's right now. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to argue for the Pochettino day. So, sure. Um, so, I'll, I'll let you start. I'll, you have the floor. Yeah, well, I went with summer heading into 2022-23 because I had seen quotes from Eric Dyer and Hugo Lloris actively calling out the club, being like, now is the moment. Now is the time to show strength in the transfer window. Now's the time to back your manager. Let's go and be a really good team. You've seen the record that Spurs have from January to the end of the season. They've beaten really good teams. I don't know if we really had um, that sort of record in 17-18. I know we beat Liverpool and but I think we got beaten twice. Beat Arsenal. Man- beat Arsenal. I think we beat, beat twice twice we beat United. We beat United, yeah. Um, it it, 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 it didn't, didn't feel I can't remember. It might have just been at home. No, no, we lost. Did we lose one nil. Marshall going pouring rain. Oh yeah, that was. Did you know that the Mourinho was that the Mourinho shooting game? Yeah, it was. It was. I think, I think it might be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think there's more pressure on on Tottenham to and to actually go out and have a big summer run than there was back in 2017, mainly because the stadium was still being built. I think the idea that Spurs were penny pinching at the time was quite was quite renowned and that there wouldn't be too much money to spend um and i i don't i think there was an excuse not to spend back then if you know i mean they had a really strong starting eleven, and we saw we've, we've seen that that squad sort of fell apart and it was because they didn't rebuild in that summer um but i just think if conte isn't given assurances about the amount of spending power he'll have and the personnel that he'll try and get, a.k.a. winners. I know it seems a bit Mourinho saying, <laughs> I need proven winners. Like, well, it's, it's, no, it's different It's different when your manager's actually good, though. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we'll be going out and getting the Manu Matic, so... <laughs> <I think laughs> yeah, be, yeah. I think so, yeah, a little bit point. different. But oh, I, God, yeah. we'd be right in those sweepstakes if Mourinho was here right now, I know it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think... I, I genuinely feel a lot more... I'm trying to stay as level-headed as, as possible, but it, it is exciting. Mm. And if Spurs do nail this this summer with some really good um, incomings, I know you, essentially, you know, going through incomings like season by season, you sort of have like a 50% hit rate, don't you? So like some... Unless you're Liverpool. Unless you're Liverpool when it's like... Maybe, maybe, no, maybe this is the turning point, Jude. Maybe Conte and Paratici together, they're going to form like... The rival to Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. I'm still, I'm Wouldn't still, just, it, but still, no, I'm still wondering if just you know, Paratici went to his old club and 
got lucky a little bit. Got, got lucky three times. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I, will, I, will, I will say that it's, it's quite hard to get lucky three times in transfers in that kind of yeah, window of time. Yeah, but we'll, I guess we'll, fi- we'll find out if we if he was just immensely lucky or not. Yeah. I mean, I suppose for every Kulisevsky and Bantanka, you'll get an Emerson. But Emerson's been good these last few months. So <laughs> Even then, he's, yeah, he's... Yeah, yeah. I don't want to slag him off this too is, much. But, yeah, but this, yeah, this is, yeah, but this is Conte. This is... We're talking about a world-class coach. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, just, I just said that the way that he would say it, you know, that's the way he'd start sentences like, We're talking about a world class coach. Mm. Like, that's the kind of way that he would do it. He's rubbing off from me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I, I think I think this this season rather than because I also with, with Pochettino, you, you sort of knew he was getting the best out of what he had rather than being proven as a, well, I'm gonna say it again, a winner with the right funds and. Incomings, um, you know, you, you sort of knew you'd get top four at that stage, didn't you? Like 17, 18, the players, yeah, I definitely, yeah, going that. into because I think 16, 17 was a real litmus test. Was this like a sustainable way of competing with the big boys? But after that, every year that he was here, I didn't I didn't have to think about top four, it was more, mm. are we getting close to the gap to the tires chasers? Yeah, I mean, this time around, I mean, heading into the summer, I've, City and Liverpool, it's it's they're still so far and away the best teams in the land. So we'll, we'll just have to see maybe like by November, December. Because the thing is, they those guys just, they barely drop points and they, they pick up 90, 95 each season now. I know Liverpool... Stupid totals. Yeah, I know. it's I know Liverpool didn't get that many last season during the COVID season just because... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I'm there, writing but... off that season. I'm not yeah, that. yeah, I think so. Um but yeah, twenty twenty. What, what what do you think, mate? I mean, so my so my arguments are. I've actually written this down because I had a couple of minutes of spare time before we started recording. So I think from sixteen seventeen going to seventeen eighteen, obviously the big thing that rocked us was Carl Walker forcing a move to Man City. He wanted to go. Fair enough. Uh, Danny Rose getting injured as well. That didn't really help. We didn't really know what his future was going to look like back then because. It felt like it was quite secretive what was going on. But for the most part, we had a settled core of, if if not world-class, then push, they're knocking on the door of world-class players who were, they're kind of like what Kulosevsky and Benzikar are now. Like they're young, but they're experienced. And I think they were just better. They were, these were some of the best players in the league. You know, mm-hmm. Kane, by the end of 2017, was the consensus best striker in the world mm-hmm. because he was the one that was matching Messi and Ronaldo's totals. There was no one else in it. No, Lewandowski, Benzema weren't, they were at different points in their career. They weren't at the top. It was definitely Kane. And so I think you got to factor that in. This is the best striker. Yeah, the best striker in the world. You can do anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous two seasons, you add up the points totals. We were the best team, the most consistent team across that time. You know, everyone, you know I was saying, you know, what a trophy, whatever, but I thought that, <laughs> that mattered. Um, but I felt like because the players were so young, because the manager was relatively experienced, we still had that room to grow we still had another gear to go into that if we were on this journey together everyone's kind of like not organically growing but you know it's everyone's come from the same on the same journey they've all been in a few years now it felt very to me a bit like what Klopp had done at Dortmund more like so I mm. thought that was quite important and now um, I have a couple of points which kind of discredit this season's argument and so I think the first is uh, we dropped to exclusive line about an hour ago, uh, Conte is on PSG's list. Should they replace Pochettino in the summer, which seems really, really, really likely. Now, Spurs are confident that he's going to stay. 
don't know what that really means, but you know, Conte said yesterday, I'm going to talk with the board about mm-hmm. his future. And I do, I do think I, I personally believe he would stay. I don't know, don't really know what the motivation is to go to PSU besides the money because I don't think they're good enough to win the Champions League. And Conte just isn't a PS, um, a Champions League manager. But another point there, he has not proven in the Champions League at all. He has not won a knockout game since 2013 when Juventus beat Celtic. Those the that's the only tie that he's won in the knockout stage of the Champions League. So I think that actually that matters if we're going to push on on all fronts. I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, we could close the gap to league titles," but you want to do well on all fronts. Um, we succeeded for the best part of this season, playing one game a week. You know, all the stats were there. Continue mentioned it himself. It's better when we play one game a week. We're not going to have that next season. That's going to be a big thing. There's also going to be the disruption of the World Cup. We're going to have various players coming back at different points ready for a really busy winter period. I'm sure that unless we bring in... I'm talking a lot of boys. I'm talking like five, six, seven. Even that's without selling anyone. We need that kind of... We need yeah. more players than we do now because Conte's kind of stress. He's been playing with kind of 13, 14 senior players for the last two months of the season. We need more bodies. We just don't have the bodies right now. And we can't, mm-hmm. we won't be able to compete. So I think it just felt from 16, 17, 17, 18, there was a lot more kind of calmness. There was a, there was a feeling that we were settled, that we were on the right track. Whereas as much as I'm, I'm championing what we've done this season, I'm championing the work that Conte has done. It's still that kind of question mark. I don't know. I know everyone's kind of all the players coming out. They're talking about it needs to be backed. We just don't know, and I don't know if that actually yeah. means anything because you know, you know, Tuchel walks into Chelsea last season. Um, they're a rubbish team. He turns them into European champions within five months. That's how quick football can change. Maybe you don't need to be planning. Maybe you don't need. Maybe you just need to luck yourself into the situation. We got lucky that Conte rejected us. We stumbled into Nuno. That went horribly. Conte then comes again and solves it. Maybe that maybe that's the counter to that. We just you don't need to be playing. But I do think is it really gonna get better than Conte? Are we gonna have a better manager than Conte if he does go? Mm. Well, yeah. I I I just hope that we don't have that sort of sense of re- regret about a stalling summer where we could go on and hopefully achieve bigger and better things and we don't take the opportunity to do it because that summer will go down as one of the most horrendous in Tottenham's recent history just because I know they were saddled by stadium debt but of course there was the chance to to really show Poch the the ambition that the club had um, and for one reason or another he just didn't get the funding and it, it, it couldn't happen um, I agree that there's there's not there's it's not much of a settled atmosphere at the much because you've got at the moment sorry because there is a manager who will only stay if um, certain promises are made, um, mm. which doesn't help, you know, for for fe- <laughs> helping fans feel a little more settled about their club. So, you know, in a week or two might go by and he might walk out. I mean, but I don't... The thing about that, I mean, firstly, PSG, I've never felt he's a PSG manager. How many, mm. how many players there are going to buy into what Conte is saying. <laughs> How many people are going to be like, I don't, I, 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 sure, I will stop eating nachos and I will run myself <laughs> into the ground for you every single game. 
I just don't think. Uh, I know there. You, you mean new general manager Kylian Mbappe is not going to do the pressing that because he doesn't need to. He's, I don't see Neymar doing it. About? I don't see Lionel Messi doing it. I think Marco Verratti would be amazing under Conte, obviously, but I just don't. I just think those are. I just think they need a Zidane type figure who just coddles them and you know makes them all think that they're really really sick and pushes the ego to one side. It just doesn't seem yeah. to me like um, like the right fit. But you know, yeah. who knows? Um, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. But I, do, but I think I think actually Jack Pitt Brook. I think it was he made a good point a few weeks ago. I think it was after you know the the spat with Klopp. You know he's saying. Like our oh, Tottenham could play the way they play, well done their fifth. Well, it turns out we finished fourth, and that point cost them the league title. So <laughs> shove it, Jurgen. Um, yes. But Jack Pitbrook made a point where he was like, "Why would Conte want to go anywhere else when it's like this in the Premier League?" This is probably why he likes the Premier League so much. Every game is a battle like that. Every game has that kind of meaning to it. And uh, when it gets PSG, he's not going to care if he's playing. Strasbourg, oh, yeah, Mets away, amazing, yeah. Mm. No, I it's, think... just, it's just it's just going to feel the same. And he mentioned like he he wants to come back into coaching because it's like a drug to him. He's not going to get that same kind of thrill managing PSG when they just walk into these wins every week. It's like it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the same way. I'm not I'm not kind of like a guy who's like oh this title was an asterisk or a footnote or whatever. But I do I do question whether he would have that same motivation to really be. A proper winner. Does you know? Does a does a title with PSG really change the life of Antonio Conte? Probably not. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. And to be honest, like Spurs, have, I know Spurs haven't been. Well, they obviously haven't been perfect since he came in. But what they've done to to finish fourth is fucking miraculous. I don't. I, yep. It can't. It can't be underplayed. Just what a massive effort that is from from all of the players. And you've got the hallmarks of a good Antonio Conte team in there. You've got players who were sort of maligned before contributing. Um, you know, there, there are more goal threats around the pitch. Um, and I, I just think it'd be a really, really strange move if, if I mean, if he walks out because he doesn't get assurance, it's fine. But if he didn't have the motivation to stay... For, 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 what, it, for what it sounds like, from what it sounds like to, from what we've heard and from what everyone else mm-hmm. in the Spurs circle, it does sound like he will get back. That yeah. he will have a lot of control of what happens in the summer if he does stay. Yeah, exactly. So the idea that he'll leave is 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 a bit is a bit strange to me. But he is he's a very emotional guy, and if he doesn't get the right answer, yeah. but I think I think it, it has to be seen as a sliding doors moment this summer because there's a future where Spurs do get some some proven generals and winners into their team, and they can go and like. Not stand toe to toe with Liverpool and City. I mean, they they showed they can do that on but, the pitch but, anyway. Yeah, com- I was going to say compete with them at least. Yeah, but sh- and and help them show you know the consistency to get towards that sort of 80, 85 point marker season. Whereas you know there there have been games where you know when someone like Harry Winks has come into the starting eleven and had to play against Wolves and Southampton, they've slipped up and they haven't they haven't got the results. <clears> so if they get leaders, um, if they get another big Defensive addition, you know, there's chat about players from uh, defenders coming from Syria and stuff like that. If they they make a really, you know, if if Bastoni comes in from Inter, for example, and you've got Romero and Dyer that, that is the, the that, that is the per- that for me is the perfect one. It's the ideal, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I I I just think 
he should stay, he should want to stay, and it's saying it sounds like he's going get going to get the backing. So yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I it's not something I'd be too worried about. I think he'll get the right answers, and I think I think so as well. Yeah, and I think we can look forward to a, an active summer, whether it sort of uh, it explodes at the start of next season, and whether those sort of variables that you mentioned, like the World Cup and um, you know squad depth, whether those come into play, we'll have to see. But I th- I think I think he'll understand the sort of the good squad and the good feeling now around the club. And I think that should pull at his heartstrings and convince him to stay. Yeah. Here's here's hoping because here's hoping. <laughs> it doesn't always work out, does it? <laughs> it doesn't always work out, but I you know from in this moment in time, in this moment, as the manager would say, there's a reason for belief and optimism. We're back in the champ you know, if we'd if we'd come fifth, I'd be very much shitting myself right now. But we're going for. We've got the Champions League pool. We got chat we got we're in the Champions League. We're playing huge, unbelievable billion pound stadium. We have Antonio Conte as a manager. We should make, I should mention this dude actually. Um, I don't know if you were there for this conversation. One of the nights in Barcelona was speaking to guys on our on the 90 German team and they said that they thought the best coach in the world if they, if they could take any coach, Antonio Conte. So yeah, that's, the enough, that's, the reputation, that's the reputation he's got. Yeah, he goes into places, he, he fixes them up, he makes brilliant teams. Um, you know, yeah, he's yeah. definitely he's one hundred percent up there. You know, he's yeah. definitely up there with Guardiola and Klopp. I mean, one, yeah. two, three, you can take your pick, but you know, though, you know, those three to me, they're, they're the best three managers in, in the world. Yeah, give, give, give him their team, one. give him their team. He's winning the league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Can you imagine fucking Van Dyke, Matip, and Canate in a back three? Jesus oh Christ! I don't, you know? I've never, I've never, I've always wondered why Liverpool never, at least never tried the back three because I felt like they would, they would just win every game. No, nobody's be, getting past those boys. Yeah. Alexander yeah. Arnold's got even yeah, more freedom at wing back. Yeah. Jesus Probably Christ! Never tried this. Yeah. I'll give it that, but you can just shun off Henderson and stick Thiago and Fabinho in there. Yeah. Front. Yeah. yeah. Let's not talk about Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Much, well, yeah. I've, I've decided I'm planning to be the Liverpool manager. <laughs> I'll fix him. I'll fix him. Put me in charge. I'll win Saturday's Champions League final. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why you're laughing, Jude. Sorry, mate. No, no. Um, it's very yeah, disrespectful, you know. Nervous, nervous tip. Sorry. What, you don't think I can win the Champions League? No, 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 no. It's just pure, pure nerves. Um, you know, you're a great guy. Take care, yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. I gotta uh, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll do for the. I think I'll do for this episode. Like I, I said, will. like I said, we will be we will be doing a proper season review and stuff. Hopefully with. More of the guys here yeah. uh, later in this week, but how good is it that words, you just well? I just said it's just nice that these become long lessons now that Spurs are quite good. Yeah, stretching over the hour mark, which is nice. And we don't and we don't need to worry about it because the season's over. We don't play again for a couple of months. All, we can chat all the rubbish we want about Arsenal being crap and us being amazing. And it doesn't exactly. really matter. We can just have yeah, nice no, no, it, no, no, it does matter because it's fact because we finished above them. League table lies. No, it doesn't tell us the truth. We're best than Arsenal. Tells the truth. It would have no, lied had we right finished now. fifth, but it doesn't lie. Yeah, now. yeah. Right now, it tells the truth. You can write it down. That's a fact. It's verbatim. Real life. <laughs> verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Thank you for thank you for sticking around and listening to this. If you've got this far, Jesus Christ. Uh, please subscribe if you do. It really helps us. Leave a rating. 
and we'll see you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.